Lord in prayer with me. Almighty God, we are indeed so grateful that there is now hope in the midst of the darkness that your Son has been sent to free us from all oppression, especially the oppression of sin and corruption within ourselves. And Father, we just pray that uh, this morning your word could be clear, your spirit could apply it to our hearts, that it could change us, transform us, and that we would also be reflect your light to a sin-darkened world around us. Father, we pray for your power uh, to be unhindered in our lives and even in those who cannot be present. Lord, we're reminded of a number of our dear brothers and sisters that through old age and illness are unable to attend. We just pray that you would encourage and strengthen them. Father, we pray even for those who are still turning their back on that greatest gift. Lord, that their hearts could be drawn back and that they, as the prodigal son, would return to the one who truly loves them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we mentioned, uh, we're looking forward next Sunday to, uh, to the Messiah program. And uh, the libretto takes uh, liberally from the Old Testament a number of, of nuggets, a number of passages that we probably wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as familiar if it wasn't ringing in my head from the, the, that glorious music. So uh, as we were kind of meditating, as Brother Eric was meditating last Sunday, I just kind of brought a couple of these passages that I would like to, to read from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. We don't read from it that often. Um, I want to read a little bit from both uh, chapter 9 and chapter 60. So let's begin with chapter 9 of the, the, the uh, prophet Isaiah. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. And of course, as we skip to verse 6, the, uh, the fulfillment of that light for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, 
Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Turn with me to the 60th chapter of the same prophet. Maybe we can back up to uh, 59, uh, verse 20, just to get a little bit of context here. So we'll start from verse 20 of chapter 59. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed or out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. There's uh, lots more for us to meditate on this, on this uh, incredible m- message, but uh, I just pray that the Lord would apply his, his words to our heart. Let's kneel for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that we have this opportunity now in this morning hour to gather in this place, in this big city, in this modern age. But yet we have before, our, before us this morning words that are ancient, words that were old already in the time of Christ. But we see how the pen of God writes in the pages of history and prophecy is fulfilled. And as we would meditate at this time of year on the coming of thy son, we can see how it was indeed, as, this, as the gospel writers said, as it was written, as it was prophesied, these things came to pass. Heavenly Father, what a marvelous thing it is to consider that all of these things were foreordained before the foundation of the world, that even before sin had entered into the world, there was already a plan for the redemption for each one here, today, in December 2023, in the year of our Lord. Heavenly Father, how great thou art. We worship thee. We lift up thy name, knowing that thou hast made such wonderful provisions for us, and in spite of the ruin of sin and the effects of it that we see in the world, there is a way back, there is a shining star in the sky for us to follow even as the wise men followed to find the Christ child. Heavenly Father, help us. 
Help us to turn towards that light and to seek Thee, not be distracted by the things in this world, but to seek that world which is to come. Be with our brothers. He would share this word with us. Be with those that could not gather with us. We're especially mindful of Brother Zarko that uh, received um, the news of the, the, the cancer in his brother. Heavenly Father, help, grant him the wisdom and, and the peace and the, and the strength to uh, deal with situations and decisions as, as the days arise and with his family as they uh, consider these things. Dear Lord, uh, be with him and provide for him. Those that are shut in, those that can no longer gather with us because of old age or infirmity, we will want to also remember them in prayer unto thee, Heavenly Father, that thou wouldst bless them with the presence of thy spirit. We also want to pray now for those souls that are making the confession and testimony through baptism of a changed life in thee in, in Strasbourg Road today. Be with them, Heavenly Father. Establish them in thy truth and uh, let them be also lights and examples for thee in this fallen world. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. We start off with darkness. In the land of Zebulun, Naphtali, in the way of the sea. We were uh, privileged in May to, to actually be in standing on the Via Maris, the way of the sea. As it crossed through the hill of Megiddo, uh, ancient tell with 21 layers of civilization because it controlled access to this very fertile valley where Revelation says the valley of Ar, Megiddon, Armageddon. And yet here we see the valley of the way of the sea being the place where light is breaking out of darkness. And it clarifies that uh, those people that are walking in darkness are seeing a great light and, and uh, that, that's, that's even ex to those who are in the very shadow of death. It reaches them. And we have the promise, the son that is born, a child, uh, who will, whose name will not only be wonderful and counselor, but actually the mighty God. There's only one who fulfilled this promise, who was born in Galilee of the nations, a place despised, a place uh, of, in the ignorant backcountry, far from the, the palaces of, of Jerusalem. Um, and yet... That's where God chose to, to reach and begin that light. Now, when we read this other passage in chapter 60, again, we have the same darkness, a thick, the King James word uses the word gross, but that has the connotation of being impenetrable, dark, you know, as we saw in chapter 9, the, the shadow of death. Um, 
Not only is the land dark, but the people are in even deeper darkness. And that's where the Lord will rise and his glory will be seen. On first glance, it, it appears to be an exact parallel passage. We've got darkness, people in darkness, ignorance. If you look through scripture, you know, he keeps pointing out the ignorance of the, the Pharisees, the blind guides, the ignorance of uh, in Mars Hill of, of people who are trying to worship something they didn't know what. And God had excused, winked at that ignorance, but now called them to repentance as before the God that they will uh, be judged about the living and the dead when, he, when the time comes by the one who resurrected from the dead. So there's ignorance, a darkness of ignorance, um, and a dark, an ignorance of God, an ignorance of right and wrong. But this passage, if you read the whole chapter, it doesn't seem to be talking about the first coming, but the second. The Gentiles come, the kings to the brightness of the rising, and uh, they gather together. Thy sons come from afar, thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. This is a regathering of the people of Israel from afar. Then thou shalt see and flow together. Thine heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be converted to thee and the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. We see, we see not only the regathering of the Jewish people, but even of the Gentile people converting and coming to Jerusalem. Multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian, Ephah, all they from from Sheba shall come and bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praise of the, of the Lord. So at some level we can say, okay, some of these things may have been fulfilled even by Christ's coming, the light that shined in the darkness. We see the fulfillment of of the Jewish people starting to come together. We see fulfillment even as we were in in Israel and saw the many Gentiles flocking to that country. But uh, not all these things are fulfilled yet. Uh, Midian and Ephah and Sheba are the ones who are yet at war uh, with, with Israel. Um, who are these that fly as cloud and as doves to the window? Surely the isles shall wait for thee. The ships of Tarshish, which is the furthest west uh, known location on the edge of, of, uh, of Spain. And does the isles refer to the lands beyond uh, Spain? Uh, I don't know. But even from that far away, um, they will bring their sons from afar, their silver, their gold with them unto the name of the Lord thy God, to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. Sons of strangers shall build up thy walls, and their kings shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor I have had mercy on thee. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, that their kings may be brought. 
For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. So all of a sudden we go from, you know, uh, the, the positive message of we have all nations being converted to Israel, to is the God of Israel, and bringing their, their force and bringing their wealth until we even have a curse on those who don't. And this correlates with uh, Zechariah chapter 14, where again, those who did not come, and this correlates now not with what's going on now in the nation of Israel, but uh, what will come when Christ comes again. Then he establishes a rule with a rod of iron in the land of Israel for a thousand years, and uh, and that and we see this this iron rod of there being consequences to disobeying the Lord who comes back not as a lamb but as a lion, the one that Israel was hoping for as they were under the oppression of of Rome is going to come, the the predicted conquering king will come. And as it kind of goes on with this this, uh, description, it gets to the point where it says, The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall the moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. This is a clear connection with the end of Revelations where we have not just the millennium, we have the new heaven and the new earth where new Jerusalem descends onto the new earth and there is no need of sun because God himself is the light uh, of that new um, kingdom. So we see Isaiah having this vision and in his vision he is seeing details from multiple ages being fulfilled. Not only from Christ's return, initial coming, to perhaps the gathering of Israel, to the, um, the uh, millennial rule, to then finally the new earth and God himself being in the midst, being the light. That the glory of the new heaven, the, the, the heavenly Jerusalem, is going to be the fact we're in his presence. And then we see how, how prophecy kind of works on this level of, of, of Isaiah seeing from afar what appears to be multiple, you know, one thing, but, you know, is actually multiple mountain peaks of fulfillment all in one vista he's putting together in this chapter. So we have poetic description, prophetic description of, uh, of Christ's coming. And we have, um, you know, incredible, you know, detailed description. We've meditated on recently, Brother Doug, in detail in the 53rd chapter, just a few chapters earlier, about Christ's death 
in, in the details of, you know, the, how he is, dies among the wicked, the thieves, and the buried among the rich, and, and, and how his death is actually, uh, by stripes, we are healed, a, a, um, that he is suffering in our place, and his righteousness becomes ours. I want to get back to the common point of the darkness. Last week, Brother Eric kind of meditated on those 400 silent years before Christ came um, the, in, 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 to Bethlehem as a babe, as what we are soon to, to remember, even the children will be singing in a few short minutes about that greatest gift. And what was the attitude of those who were awaiting that time? 400 years had gone by with no word heard from God. Uh, we read in 1 Peter 3 this attitude of, you know, just so much time has gone by, the scoffers say nothing has changed and where is the promise of his coming? And they become impatient and start to doubt you know, is God really there? Has, is God really going to keep his promises? You know, this Messiah that has been promised, you know, that, that the, we're just going to deal with practically and compromise with the powers that be because who knows when God's going to actually send a, a deliverer. You know, so maybe I should work as a, as a publican and prophet over, you know, the taxation that's going on because that's just the reality that I live in. There's a temptation to compromise. There's a temptation to doubt God's promises because they are made and God is patiently waiting the right time. And it was just the right time when Jesus did come, when, when there was a common language that the word of God could be in, when there was a common a transportation system and a, a Pax Romana where God's word could be distributed. But we see this darkness was not just before 4 BC in the 400 silent years. There have been more than 400 silent years since the last words of Revelations were penned. Since God's word was complete, do we become impatient? Do we doubt his second coming? Because he will come, not as a lamb. He has come as a lamb. Right now, that window of grace when we can accept that loving, gentle Savior is now. When he comes on the horse, not in a stable. When he comes with the sword of his word coming out of his mouth and wiping out the greatest military might of man, it will be too late. There's a temptation to feel like things are dark. The world is getting to be a darker place. The truths of God's word are being abandoned. We see corruption in, in the politics, in the morality, in people's thinking. 
They no longer can discern between right and wrong, man and woman. Um, you know, basic things are, are all confused. There is no light. And there's a temptation to despair. There's a temptation to just adapt to the realities of the world we live in because who knows when God will come. I just have to deal with today. But the warning here is that this darkness is temporary. This darkness, though it seems to be dominant, though it seems to be oppressive, gross darkness, it is going to be penetrated. That darkness cannot stand against light. That light will displace the darkness. All will be exposed. And those who are faithful. We have the ten virgins. Five were foolish and five were wise. And they were waiting for the bridegroom to come, Jesus tells the story. And they all slept because it took long. But all of a sudden the voice was, the bridegroom was here. And five were ready. They had the oil in their lamps. They were ready to light and go in with the Lord, the bridegroom, into the supper. But five were not ready. They were virgins. They were, their plan and their purpose and their dedicated thing was to be there for that, for that special marriage supper. But they weren't quite ready. They, their oil had run out. and They had to go and get ready and buy some. And, and, and when they came to the door, they heard those very sad words, I know you not. I heard uh, recently... I say I think uh, someone was saying they were on 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 an antagonistic uh, interview on air, and uh, you know the the skeptic atheist was telling the Christian, you know, okay, you're not allowed to quote the Bible or any of that on my on my radio show, but you know, how do you answer the the you know the the question of how uh, you know I'm a good person. And, you know, why am I not allowed to go into heaven? You know, if you're, you know, isn't that a hate crime that me, a good person, isn't allowed into heaven? And so the Christian was given the inspiration and says, well, you know, can you just march up to, you know, some, some mansion on, I don't know, bridal path and, and knock on the door and say, I'm a good person, let me in. And no, say, who are you? I don't know you. Right? You have no relationship. And that's what the criteria was there at that bridegroom's door. I, depart from me, I know you not. It wasn't, am I a good enough person? Have I done enough good deeds? The question is, do we know the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Counselor and the Wonderful and the Mighty God who was born that day to bring the light, to dispel the darkness even of the shadow of death in our hearts.
that we can say, I know him, and I'm ready, and I am waiting. To my dear friend, the time is coming. Will you be ready? Do you know him? For those foolish virgins, there was no recovery. There was no recovery for not being ready. Don't think that because it's dark that you have indefinite time. It's darkest before dawn. The light is about to arise and shine, and God's glorious plan will appear. Justice will be served. Do you know him? My dear brother and sister, are you ready? Are you ready to say, even so, come, Lord Jesus? We don't have to run out and do any last-minute correction because he's coming. His promise, my words which I've put in my mouth shall not depart out of their mouth. They, they will be fulfilled. And is this what is in our mouth? As the Redeemer has come to turn onto those that turn from transgression and his spirit is upon us are his words in our mouth. Is that what we talk about? Is that what we're passionate about? Is this the big news that we want to share because our time is limited and we need to pass this on not only to our seed but to our seed seed, to our children's children so that when the time comes, we'll be in his presence with the bridegroom, where there's no need of sun or moon, where, there's no, where there is no parting, where there is no pain, where so many of our dear, beloved brothers and sisters are, are dealing with the consequences of the original sin, getting old, getting weak, losing our strength, Virile, strong men that could do so much, you know, reduced by old age. No matter how strong-willed, no matter how strong in body. But that sadness will become undone and untrue at his return. Let us not despair. Let us not be intimidated by the darkness. Let us have this confidence that we can arise and shine because our light is come through Jesus Christ. The glory of the Father is risen not only upon us but within us. And we can be that light to our, um, those that still dwell in darkness around us. May God bless his word. Even for those who have never opened a Bible before, there's one verse that I think many know and probably can even quote. It's John 3.16. It's called the gospel in one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <coughs> one of the accusations made against Christians is that 
God's justice is unfair. Why should I be condemned for Adam's sin? I wasn't even there. There's good news. You aren't condemned for Adam's sin. Let's keep reading. (coughs) For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why is that? It's answered in verse 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation. This is what will send men and women to hell. Not Adam's sin, but that light is come into this world, and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Today, the light of God has gone forth. You've seen it. You've seen its effect on you. Now you need to decide. Will you seek out light? Or will you love darkness better than light? That's it. There is no more, really, to the gospel. It's not about you. The work has been done. God sent his son. He died on the cross for all all of us. There's nothing more that needs to be done. Christ himself said it is finished. Now, will you accept that light? Or will you prefer the darkness of your own sin? That's all. Light is going forth. Respond to that light. This concludes our service. We're going to have the children come in now and sing uh, their program.